with episode five where we are discussing the green river killer again um also i just really want to say hey thanks to all the twitter peeps out there you guys like are really nice and thank you for the retweets and follows and for also your encouragement look at you you're like a social media master what can i say i totally don't even know what the fuck i'm doing whatever morgan is handling all aspects of social media because i think social media was invented by satan (laughs) well it was i will have nothing to do with any of that it was invented by satan and that's why i love it (laughs) so boom We're also on iTunes, which feels yeah. very strange. What the fuck is I that? Feel, I feel famous. We're totally famous. I feel famous. important. <laughs> I feel like a very big deal. We are a very big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, so all that happened. I know cool. that was kind of that was kind of weird. So thank you for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, this sounds weird. This is weird to me. Our handle is at my dark hr podcast so you can find us there and chat with us and with with morgan i don't have anything to oh do. i have nothing to do with that whatever i'm i'm not participating i'll it'll suck you in we'll get you me and the devil god not no we should get a fucking myspace page like, oh. those exist anymore? no they don't did they no. shut that shit down they have to be shut down oh myspace or god wait what's the worst social media we could use like what's like the most Google Plus. <laughs> we should do that. Because no one uses that. No we one uses Google, Google Plus. <laughs> I think I ha- I think I started a Google Plus, but like, oh no, I, I didn't I add totally, anything. No, I totally have one. Okay, what is? Do you use it? No, no, no. Uh, really wait, weird. is Foursquare was that a thing? I thought that was like a or friend um, Friendster or and those are like those probably don't exist anymore. I thought that Foursquare was like a dating thing. Was it not? No. I don't know. I don't know. We should make a grinder account. Oh my god. Yes. So yeah, if you want to meet up for a random hookup with us, we're on Grinder. So look for us on Grinder. We'll tell you later. I don't even know how Grinder works. If we have a name, but Crying myself up too much. Wow. All right. Let's get cover from that. Kay's crying. All right. All right, you guys. And we're like, we're like a half a glass into some really fucking sweet wine. Uh, um, okay. Moscato, which my brother-in-law brought. I would never purchase this, although apparently it's Morgan's favorite. Uh, so. I'm going to French kiss your brother for bringing it. Brother, brother-in-law. Oh, your brother-in-law. I'll French kiss your brother, too. I'll French kiss everyone. For sweet-ass fucking wine. <laughs> but the greatest thing, so last week we had, um, what was it called? Phantom? Mm-hmm. This week, it's called <laughs> Menage à Trois. Sticking with sort of the grinder theme yes. of, of the evening. <laughs> and there are two people frolicking, which makes no sense to me because there should be three There should people. be three, clearly. So I don't even know what maybe, the fuck. Maybe the drinker is the third person. <laughs> oh my god, you just drink Moscato by yourself. Oh yeah, you're, you're frolicking oh, with people on the label in your head. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we need to get into our into our topic of the day here. Yes, which is we're well, we're going to reveal. We're going to do the big reveal. However many 15, 16 years after the fact, <laughs> we're going to we're going to reveal who the Green River Killer actually was. Ooh. Are you guys excited? You totally know who it is. So, to begin this, I need to tell my story of where I was <gasps> when I found yes! out the Green River Killer had been captured. Oh, tell us. Tell us. Okay, so it was if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it November 30th? 
Yes. 2001, which was like a couple it days was. ago. We Oh, we should have fucking recorded this on November 30th. Oh my god. What the fuck? That It's the anniversary. Fuck. Well, we fucked up. Um, god damn it. Anyway, so I was living in Wallingford. I was 22. And uh, I was working at an Af- Afghan restaurant in Wallingford. Not only were you in Wallingford, you were living in a fucking haunted house in Wallingford. No, I wasn't. No, oh, no, no. This was, I lived in an apartment at this point. Okay, well, that's a story for another time. <sighs> yeah, the haunted house is a story for another time. So I was living in this apartment that was up on 45th by the QFC. The apartment Ooh. building's still there. And I worked at Kabul Afghan Cuisine, uh, oh. which was right down the street. And I was walking home from work, and my boyfriend at the time and my friend Rachel were sitting up on the porch. They, he had to walk up steps to get to the apartments. There was businesses on the first floor, and the apartments were on the second floor. And so they were sitting up on the porch smoking cigarettes. We were all smokers in those days. And I, as I'm walking up the stairs, it was terrible weather. They were like, oh, my God, they fucking caught the Green River Killer. I was like, no <gasps> fucking way. Because I had just finished reading The Search for the Green River Killer that summer. So he Whoa. was on my mind, and I could not fucking believe it. It had been Whoa. my whole life had been, he'd been this sort of phantom figure in <gasps> Seattle, and they fucking caught him. And it was, it was a big deal. So what was the media coverage like, and what did you think when you saw him for the first time? The media coverage was, it was pretty intense. Like, I think the, like, the Seattle Times, it was, like, front page, like, major front page headline. Like, Green River Killer caught. And they showed a picture of a gentleman whose name is Gary Ridgway. <gasps> ding, 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 ding. Gary Ridgway. He's the Green River Killer. We have talked about before. And I didn't know anything about him. They had a picture of him, and he's just this little nothing guy, which... I guess, I don't know what I was expecting. Not that. That was not what I was expecting. I mean, yeah. he looks like, I, I, what does he even look like? He's really bland. He's white. He's sort of balding. He's just exceedingly bland looking person. You've seen a thousand people who look just like him. Yeah. He kind of, he's kind of like, has a rat face. He does. He's not, not an attractive guy, but not noticeably unattractive. Right. Either. Yeah, he just yeah. looks like a like a mild mannered meek. He man. does. He looks very mild mannered. So, did... were you shocked? I was shocked that they caught him. I was shocked that after all of this time, they had finally caught him. I mean, that was that to me blew me away because everybody had said if they haven't caught him by now, they're never going to. Because that was yeah. the, that was the conventional wisdom of the time that if you miss, there was like a window mm-hmm. after murders occurred that you had to catch the killer and if you miss that window like you just were not going to catch them ever and so as far as we knew he had stopped killing in 1984 and so yeah it, it no one thought he was gonna get caught so it was very shocking it was very shocking yeah whoa yeah what did you think do you remember i don't remember nope Never. i would have been a sophomore in high school but mm, i yeah. i do not remember i think i was too involved in trying to like be cool well, <laughs> my so was I at 22. But... I was totally overshadowed by trying to be cool. It's okay. Okay, thanks. It's more, it's more important to be cool in high school <laughs> than to pay attention to serial killers. Which I was not cool. I was, like, super uncool, but whatever. No one is cool in high school. People who think they're cool are the least cool people in high school. Yeah. You, you're a teenager. No teenagers no are cool. No one's cool in high school. Come on. Yeah, teenagers are the most uncool people. It's really awful. Although, okay, I have to say this. Total side note. I'm watching that show 13 Reasons Why. Oh, God. Teenage Suicide. Don't do it. I know. And everyone on that show is, like, way too cool. And they all have tattoos, even though they're, like, sophomores in high school. And they're all, like, sexually ambiguous like don't know if they're gay or straight yeah. or yeah and some of them know but some of them you're like ooh you could go either way and they're very very cool i mean like into super cool things they make really witty remarks they listen to fucking like m83 at the dance which okay uh-uh. i tried playing m83 nope. in my classroom once and the kids screamed hated at me. it they would not be listening to that shit. No, just just for our listeners, teenagers have terrible taste in music. Oh god, it's really bad. Terrible. And they're not cool. No. At all. It, at all. At all. So any I think a lot of our memories of high school are colored by movies about high school and yeah. movies about <gasps> high school are not accurate in 
any way, shape, or form. I know. That's all I can think about with this show is that, like, this is contributing to a totally unreal version of high school. Yeah. They're just, everyone's cool and, like, oh, po- like, oh, popular people, oh, oh, I hate high school. That's you, what they always say. Can I tell you what the worst offender of that? Yeah. Yes. I don't know what you'd call that, that genre, I guess, is fucking Dawson's Creek. I've never watched that oh. show. Oh. <laughs> I only watched it, like, sporadically when it was actually on. I think I was in college, actually, when it was originally on TV. But it's on Hulu, I think. So I went back and just watched an episode for fun. It is the fucking worst. It is offensive. Why? How unrealistic it is. Because everyone is very... Are they just very advanced for their age? The conversations these like 15 year olds are having with each other are I can't do it justice because I can't mimic the way they talk yeah. but it's it's a it's a Kevin Williamson the guy who wrote it yeah he's got a very particular style did he do Gilmore Girls also I don't think he did Gilmore Girls what did he do because you know how they have that like really fast snappy conversation that's like very intellectual all but the that time? show's funny at least right I don't know I've never seen it I've never seen it either I've heard it's funny I guess I shouldn't talk about a show that I've never seen but whatever Dawson's Creek is not funny at all it's deadly deadly serious and just it's so awful and everybody is very sort of very angsty but in a very verbal hyper verbal kind of way that's 13 reasons why also yes okay we're whoa we might have to to edit this out we're going way too far okay put on the brakes put on the brakes of teenage suicide okay so let's talk about the arrest of gary ridgeway okay so so he, as far as we know, the public, he's arrested November 30th, 2001. Um, the backstory with that a little bit is back to sort of our last episode. We left, we left the case with um, Tom Jensen alone with his computer, totally doing the case by himself. He's the last remaining member of the Green River Task Force. So he continues for many years just being him. Just keeping the flame alive. Keeping the flame alive. Um, at some point... I don't know when. They had to wait until DNA testing got good enough where it would not destroy the original whatever you were getting tested. So they had, I think they had tried to do DNA testing on that saliva sample that they had taken from Gary Ridgway a couple of times before this. And each time they had done it, they had destroyed the sample a little bit. So by the time, I don't know, I'm going to guess probably early 2001, late 2000, rolled around, they had a little tiny bit left. They, oh I think God. I saw a picture of it in one of the documentaries of what was left of like the Q-tip. <gasps> and so they really only had one more shot to get a DNA test to work. I don't know what happened with these other DNA tests. I, I don't know like why they weren't successful, but they weren't for whatever reason. Right, because at that point, wasn't it just like you could... By analyzing someone's saliva, you could tell what blood type they were or whatever? You could tell what blood type they were, and I think you could sort of narrow it down to, like, maybe a group of people, but I don't think it was good enough to actually match like, up with an individual. Like, person. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing. I don't, actually don't know. Uh, so, they had to wait. So, Tom Denson was like, okay, I don't want to destroy the sample completely, so we have to wait until the DNA testing is good enough where they can... I can't remember what the process is called, but they can take a little tiny bit of somebody's DNA and then they can replicate it. And once they do that, they don't need the original sample anymore. Right. So they they somehow... Anyway, that's what they ended up doing. So in 2001, they get the results back of this final DNA test and they match it up with semen that had been found in the victims that were not completely decomposed. I think there was five victims that they found semen in. So they match the saliva sample up with the semen that was in these victims. Mm-hmm. And the saliva sample belonged to Gary Ridgway. So at yeah. that point, they were like, okay, we're pretty sure that this is the guy, or at least had sex with all of these victims before. So they were they were pretty darn sure. Right, and the one who was really <clears throat> instrumental was Carol Christensen, right? Yeah, so they found, so she was the one who was found in Maple Valley mm-hmm. in 83, who was fully different, clothed. fully clothed, different from the ones in the river. Right. Um, so the semen found in her matched the semen found in the victims in the river, which connected her to being a Green River victim, showing that it wasn't just those five people in the river, that the other bodies that had been found were likely connected to the same, to killer. The same per- killer. So there's this really great in Chasing the Devil, back to Sheriff... <laughs> Dave Rickert. Dave Rickert, over and over again. There's this really great, <laughs> it's like the climax in the movie, 
part where he, they sat him down and they took three pieces of paper and it was like the DNA found in Carol Christensen's body, the DNA found in like Marsha Chapman's body. And then they said like the next one was who the killer was and he flipped it over and it was the exact same profile and the name said Gary Ridgway. And in, oh God, I'm forgetting again the name of it, uh, Green River Killer True Detective Story by Tom Jensen's son, the graphic novel. <gasps> yes. They also showed that scene, although it's slightly different, but it's pretty It's pretty close to that. Yeah. Which just seems really dramatic. I know. <laughs> like, you could just pick up the phone and be like, hey, <laughs> guess who <it> was? <laughs> but I, I don't know. <laughs> they were foreseeing the movies gonna, yes. that were going to be made down the line. You have to give it a little bit of drama, you know? I, I guess. Yeah. So... So yeah, that's that's our guy. So they're like, okay, great. It's Gary Ridgway, who, as we talked about, had been a suspect before. And he'd been on the radar forever right. since the beginning of the case. Right. Totally so, obvious, in my opinion, that it was him. Kind of. But again, I know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So they start watching him. They're like, oh, we gotta, we gotta, you know, keep tabs on this guy for a while. I guess until they could get ready to get, like, all their ducks in a row. Right, and they were originally planning on doing the arrest, like, closer to January of 2002. Oh, that's right. They were, yeah. yeah, okay. So they had put him under surveillance, and, you know, they wanted to make sure because, you know, they have to kind of get the case in the bag for the prosecutors, like, beforehand, before mm-hmm. they can actually arrest him. And so they were like, we need this time until January to be able to kind of figure everything out. So in the meanwhile, they place him under surveillance. One night... <laughs> They see his wife leave the house really late at night, and then they come back together, and they're like, what the hell was that about? And it turns out he got picked up for prostitution. I don't know this story. Yeah. I don't know that's how they found out. Yep. So th- so that they talk about that in Chasing the Devil. They see them coming back together, and they're like, what, what the fuck was that? Turns out he had gotten booked for for soliciting a prostitute. We'll talk later about what he said happened, what Gary Ridgway oh, told his yes. wife that his happened. Poor long suffering. Oh my wife. god. Oh, yeah. Man. We'll talk about her in the next episode. But that was that was how they knew that he was still frequenting prostitutes. Frequenting prostitutes and then decided that they needed to move it up. Yeah, because they were like, if he kills somebody. Right. Wow, he's under surveillance. Like, we oh, are shocked. <laughs> like, we are totally responsible for that person dying. Right. And so, yeah, they moved it up a lot. And I think right. arrested him a week later, maybe? Yep. So, so that brings us to November 30th of 2001. On the day of, a bunch of detectives in unmarked cars showed up at the Kenworth truck plant in Renton, where he had been working forever. Oh, like yeah. 30 years. I yes. Mean, he's been working he was since like, 18. Right. Yeah. And it, at 11 a.m., Sue Peters and John Madsen. So Sue Peters was a lady detective. Hey. Um, <laughs> and she was a rookie when the whole thing started. So she had been familiar with the yeah. case this entire time as well. Um, but Sue Peters and John Madsen, who's another longtime detective in the task force, they went in to Kenworth not to take him into custody, but to see if they could catch him in a lie. And again, this is from Dave, this is Dave Riker saying this. So they sat him down around 11 and they interviewed him and, and they brought it up to him. At first he was very standoffish, but they brought it up to him like, we really need help. We need information about the rape of Carol Christensen. And at first he's like, mm, I don't want to, but they kind of just said like, well, we really need your, your opinion. And apparently probably made him feel like good about himself. So he really warmed up to them. They ended up showing him pictures of Carol Christensen. And he was like, oh, yes, I totally know her, but I've never had sex with her. And they knew that was a lie. Because so they his semen had been found in her. Right. So that's, like, that's how know. they matched the DNA. So they were like, <clears throat> yes. And then they showed him a picture of her corpse. So again, she was the one that was fully clothed and had the fish and the ground sausage. And he was like, again, thinking that he was trying to be really helpful and said to them, oh, you know what? The killer may have done that because he may have wanted to attract animals to her body. So they were like, this fucking guy, like he, he did this. And then when he left work, 
They were waiting for him in the parking yep. lot. And, and him. this is really great. So Randy Mullinax and Jim Doyon got out of their cars and they told him that he was under arrest for the murder of several women in King County. And all he said was, okay. <laughs> and then he handed them his lunchbox and got into the car. That's the ultimate Gary Bridgeway story. <laughs> Just sort of like, okay. All right. Uh, all right. That's happening. And I think that sort of sums up why I do not think he has attracted the attention that he should, given how many people he killed. Right. It's just that very unassuming, kind of mellow personality. He doesn't, he doesn't really, he doesn't seem interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think he was, he was seen as a disappointment when people figured out who it was. It was like, it's that fucking guy, <laughs> that dum-dum over there. <laughs> But I, I think this episode hopefully will prove that he's more interesting than that. Oh, so much more interesting. I mean, like, he has a lot of, a lot of, like, the actual, you know, the earmarks of a serial killer, a traditional serial he killer. He does. He does. Yeah. He just has a very mellow, non-confrontational personality. Right. Which I think that is slightly unusual. Right. But I think it's also an act I think that, that it's something that he's learned, like, it's a coping mechanism that he's learned over time. Yeah. And it works. Right. And I think he figured that out. Right. That if I don't attract attention to myself, I can get away with what I want. Yeah. So, so once again, Ted Bundy can kind of kiss our collective asses, I think, <laughs> because Ted Bundy thought he was such hot shit in, oh, the land, in the land of serial killers. But he was kind of a bad serial killer. I mean, he drew attention to himself all the time and totally got caught oh my multiple God. times. It's That's like, all he fucking did. I mean, yeah, he killed a lot of women, of course, which is bad. And, right. And I suppose you could argue that makes him a somewhat successful serial killer. But he also got caught left and right. Oh I mean, he God. got caught... I, I can think of off the top of my head like four different times where he blatantly attracted police attention to himself and got arrested. Right. And then escaped prison multiple times that's the and it's only... like how do you even draw i mean like you're just asking for it ted bundy so in that if you want to if you want to look at it as who is better at doing it which is that's not the best that's not a good way to phrase it but who was who was more successful at doing what they wanted to do it would it would be gary ridgeway it's gary ridgeway so because he's totally that he's the demon you don't see that's who he is. Uh, we thought we would spend some time today talking about his his early years. Yes. Up up until well, we'll see. We'll see where we get to. Where we get. But yeah, talking a little bit about his childhood and teenage years and yeah, and show you that like fu- he's been fucked up forever. He's fucked up. He yeah. I think we need to spend some time talking about the the sociopathic personality. Yeah. Not that we're experts on that, but <gasps> where... I don't know. I think okay, we're, kind, we're, of we're kind of experts. on sociopaths. <laughs> we talk about it all the all time. All the time. That's pretty much the basis pretty of much our Pretty much all we talk about. So, <laughs> Gary Ridgway was born February 18th, 1949, in Salt Lake City, Utah, to a woman named Mary Rita Steinman, but she was married at that time to, you know, and her story last name was Ridgway, and Thomas Ridgway. He was the middle son Man, fucking middle kids. And all boys. It's always middle children. It's seriously. I feel bad for the middle child, always. They really get the the bad lot. Yeah, but I feel like this entire family kind of... I know. It wasn't great. It's so. true. So he had, he had an older brother named Greg, and he was kind of the smart one. And he... <laughs> Compared to the rest, so I'm, we have to question how smart he really was. Right. But. So he, he was kind of the prized son of Mary Rita and Thomas. Gary had a younger brother also, whose name was Thomas, but they called him Eddie. And uh, he had a high fever as a young child, and it resulted in brain damage. So the book that I took a lot of this information from this week is Defending Gary, uh, Unraveling the Mind of the Green River Killer by Mark Prothero, who was Gary Ridgway's defense attorney, and also Carlton Smith. Carlton Smith is popping up again. Search for the Green River Killer. Yes. So in this book, they they are talking to Greg, his older brother, a lot. And Greg describes Eddie, well, this is not PC, as somewhat mentally retarded. So Gary, Gary and Eddie were kind of seen as like, you know... They're like the meh kids, and um, well, so he really had that, those feelings of inadequacy well, from a young age. Gary had a tested IQ of what 
I think it was 82. I mean, which is quite low. Right. That's a quite low IQ. And he did not have a fever, so that's just, like, his natural IQ. So, yeah, this was already, I think, a family that had some difficulties. And they ended up moving to... When did they move to Seattle? Or not Seattle, but SeaTac. They moved moved to Washington when Gary was um, 11. It was that old? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Okay. So they moved to McMicken Heights, which McMicken. is McMicken, which is a neighborhood <laughs> east of the airport. So it's now in the city of SeaTac, but back then it, I think it was unincorporated in King County. Do you know where his house is? Have you seen his? I house do. I know the address of his parents' house. It's Ooh. still there. I've never seen it. But what? Yeah, I haven't. I just haven't been that interested in going. But it's it's like on the way. I go by it all the time. Like where it is. <gasps> it's not far off Military Road. Okay, so we military, need to go there. We do. Okay, so that's another thing we need to do. So. Um, yeah, so there, there's some houses we need to visit. And I also have not, we'll get to this, but I haven't visited some of Gary Ridgway's other houses. Oh, okay. Do, but I know the address is too. There. <gasps> okay, so his parents move into McMicken Heights, and his dad is a bus driver, yep. and his mom works at JCPenney at South Center. Oh, yes, she does. Yes, she fucking does. <laughs> she was really all about JCPenney. She was a sales lady working Isn't in she the, a manager? Did she become a manager? I think she did. She, like, was very, she was a very prized employee she worked in the men's department Uh and was really into like helping men find their clothing and gary also talks about how she would tell stories when they were young about um measuring men's inseams on their pants and just talking about how they just would have erections um just think about this (laughs) imagine going home to your three sons and talking about the boners that you're feeling at work and this is in the 60s like that's so fucking weird i know on every level so this woman is a mystery to me the mom because i've read so i've watched a lot of documentaries i've read a lot of books and she's described differently in all of them yeah and i can't quite get a handle on her yeah she seems i mean she's very domineering they very definitely domineering. talk about that mm-hmm. in all in all of the sources she definitely and, wore those pants and you know what i say more power to her y- yes <laughs> theoretically <laughs> But she was creepy about it. So she was domineering, <laughs> definitely, like, ruled the roost. That's fine. But was also, like, creepy and abusive. So yeah. Gary Ridgway yes. wet the bed, which is one of the, the signs. What is it called? The McDonald triad or something? Yeah, it has a name. So there's three behaviors that if children have, you should be worried. Yes. One of them is wetting the bed yes. past the age where it's considered developmentally appropriate. Right. The other one is setting fires. The third one is hurting animals. Yep. He did all three of those things. So he wet the bed up until 12 or 13. Oh, no. Is it later than that? It's like 15. Okay. So he was wet in the bed like way, way, way beyond when you should be doing that. So I don't know if this was happening up until he was 15, but at at some point in there. I think 13 or 14 was the last time that the mom was this involved. happened, yes. Okay, so he would get up after wetting the bed, go in and tell his mom. His mom would go take him into the bathroom, strip him naked. and While berating him. While berating him and wash his genitals repeatedly, yes. sometimes for like up to a half an hour. Oh no. Seriously? Yes! <laughs> I mean, that is so, I mean, like, so <laughs> fucked up. Like just having your mom just like massaging your penis basically <laughs> with soap and water for an hour or half an hour. Like what the fuck? I mean, I really feel like pee would just come off very even with just water. You wouldn't even need soap. You maybe. know what? You don't even really need to help them at that point. You uh, could just be like, hey. <laughs> well, like, I mean, just lift yourself <laughs> off a little bit. You're good. Uh, so I mean, I would consider that sexual abuse. I mean, oh yeah, I think there was no, sexual, that's definitely sexual abuse happening. And he would say weird. that he would get erections and during this process, because I mean, how do you not? You right. Know? So there's that whole story, and then there was the. Then I've also heard this, but not everywhere, that she dressed the mother dressed really provocatively. Okay, so there's a thing with this. Okay, and it talks about this in defending Gary, Greg, and Doreen, his wife, are very upset because the person who spread that rumor is Marsha Gary's second who is wife. The second wife right and so they are like fucking Marsha just going out there so telling lies no I mean I've seen pictures of her where she's very made up and she like has on I mean she has on nice clothing 
Because, yeah, the pictures I've seen are not, I would not call them ridiculously provocative. Right. I think this is the thing. I think Mary Rita had a good figure and she knew it and she was all about showing it off. And so she wore clothes that were kind of tight, probably to an age that, like, most people would consider is, like, too old to be dressing that way. But she didn't, she didn't dress like a prostitute. I mean. Yeah. And I think even if she, I don't know. I feel like this whole topic, who cares? Like, it's not right. like dressing provocatively is going to turn your son into a fucking serial killer. Right. So I think this is a silly thing to even be discussing. Yeah. But it does come up pretty lot, much everywhere. A like, lot. well, his mom dressed really provocatively. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And then his dad was really meek and kind yeah. of a non-entity. Right. So another story that comes up all the time is that, and again, this is, I think, a Marsha story, but that they were sitting at the dinner table and Mary Rita broke a plate over Thomas's head and all he did was just get up and walk out of the room. But you know what I was thinking about? If I broke a plate over Paul's head, for example... <laughs> That's what I would want him to do. <laughs> like, I don't wouldn't want him to... What are you supposed to do? Punch her in the face. Yeah. I mean, like, that would be even more fucked oh, up. Oh, So he actually had the appropriate reaction in that situation, I think. So everyone talks about this story all the time about how his dad was just like a pushover. But actually, I commend him, too. <laughs> so I guess my takeaway is this family was fucked up, but not... I mean, I guess the genital washing was pretty, That's really pretty fucked, fucked up. up. But besides <laughs> that, it was sort of like your run-of-the-mill fucked up. I mean, right. it wasn't. There was not horrible physical abuse right. going on. They weren't impoverished. Well, they were. They were pretty poor at the beginning, but like they actually ended up being pretty well off once they got established in Seattle. I mean. But their house was, like, a middle-class house. Right, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, like, scary. It wasn't some of the right. other, you know, stories you hear about with serial killers. It's right. much more normal than that. He didn't face any physical abuse, Mm-mm. which is, you know, always a common thread among serial killer childhoods. He yeah. wasn't dressed as a girl and sent to school. You know, none of that His parents were married. Shit. Right. I mean, so, yeah, it was a pretty low-key childhood. I mean, there right. wasn't anything that I'd be like, oh, shit. That's going to fuck you up. Right. Except, once again, except for the genital washing. Yeah. And then he started, I mean, when he was young, he um, started doing this weird animal abuse. Yep. Although there's only one story that I've heard of, you might have heard of more, where he took the family cat and put it in a cooler. Cooler. And then... But killed it. I know. And then let it out the next day. Like, what the fuck? No, but it was dead, wasn't it? No, it it was totally dead. Yeah. He, like, opened up the cooler the next day and it had, like, suffocated in there. (sighs) I think that's the only story I've heard about, too. And while that is fucked up, for sure... Once again, that's not a pattern, really. It's sort of like a lot of kids do fucked up shit like that. Yeah. It's like, eh. Yeah, because I mean, I think a lot of times you hear with serial killers, they talk about like regular animal mutilation. Yeah, and I don't think like, he did. Dahmer's little shed in his backyard that was full of like roadkill and shit, yeah. you know? I mean, dissolving it in acid. Like, he didn't do anything like that. Killing the family cat is a big deal. I mean, that's a big fucking oh, thing. Oh, it's, it's bad. But, like, it doesn't, I mean, there's been no indications that I've heard of, at least, where, like, it's a pattern. No. And I think, as fucked up as it is, it is also somewhat normal to, when you don't really quite understand death, to kill animals. Yeah, like, kids kill animals all the time, which is fucked up. If my kid, my future child, ever kills an animal, I'm gonna do something fucked up to my child. I know. I was out. This was uh, back when I lived in Indiana, but I was with a friend of mine who had, I'm trying to think how old our kid was, maybe three. And we were out, we were getting ice cream or something. And he, I feel like they weren't ants. I feel like they were bigger bugs than that. But there was, there were bugs on the ground and he was just like going out of his way to like step on them and no! kill them. No! And I was like, ooh, don't do that. And she was, and the friend was like, what? Why? Ugh. Kids fucking just killing just like just for fun. Indiscriminately? Like, ugh. So when I was a kid, my dad loves telling this story because he thinks it's why I'm like so fucked up. <laughs> but um, he, I like stepped on a spider at like very maliciously, and he was like, "How could you do that? That spider has just as much of a right to live as you do." And then I started crying very hard about it. And now, like, I won't kill anything. I'm like so weird about that stuff. And he, he's like, "That was me." He's like very proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so you just have to do. You have to do some healthy shaming. 
Healthy shaming. Healthy shaming. Not genital washing while breathing. Don't forget. Don't, don't wash don't your do child's that. genitals. You know what? Let's just stay away from your child's genitals. Let's do that. So some other things started happening in his teenage years. This is when things kind of start ramping up a little bit. When he was around the age of 16, he started regularly exposing himself to a teenage girl that was like a neighborhood girl. And he did this on and off for like three months. And he would do it often while they were watching cartoons together. Which that like juxtaposition is so fucked up to me. Like I just feel like yuck that's being a teenager. Like ew. You did just you get some. Do that? No but you get like. like No offense any males who are listening. But like teenage boys are creepy. And they like don't know they how are. to handle themselves. And so I feel like that would be a thing. And she just like acted like it wasn't happening. Which. Hello, that's what you fuck that's would exactly fucking would, would do, do in that situation. Oh, that because it's dick is out again. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna pretend like this isn't happening. But so, wasn't he also a peeping Tom? Yeah, so well, so this is what happened. So one night he went to her window, right? Oh, it was the same girl? Yeah, he taps on her window and then instead of like because he was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna have sex with her. But she called out to her dad, and so Gary took off, right? But then her dad confronted him later, and he was like, oh, yeah, that wasn't me. God. So, yes, he was a peeping Tom. Additionally, at this time, because he started getting rejected by girls, like, <laughs> yeah, hello. I know. <laughs> he he had the 15-year-old who wets the bed. I know. With the and IQ just, like, of 82 right, getting rejected. Sh- shows his dick off, like, just <laughs> randomly when you're just trying to watch your show. <laughs> So he got rejected. He was very angry, and he went to the local elementary school and just broke, like, 20 windows. Oh, that's right. He was arrested on the spot. His parents had to pay for it. So, like, Gary is making a reputation for himself as a fuck-up. Do we know what elementary school this was? No, but we should find <gasps> out. We should totally find out. I know. We could, I It's bet. probably so different looking now, although the high school is the same. The high school is the same. same. I know. Um, and then the other thing that ends up happening before the major thing is that he like has these he starts drinking excessively in high school <clears throat> i don't think kind of like Dahmer. i know too, yeah and then one time he put his car in a ditch he was driving drunk and I put his car in a ditch any of this. okay yeah he got a ticket for negligent driving negligent driving <laughs> yeah. don't you love the 60s like, oh. like wacky drunk teenager it's totally cool you're like really drunk garage way just like you sh- don't put it in the ditch next time being kind of you're not watching where you're going and then that brings us to another thing that happened when he was 16. Oh, do I get to tell this? You get the to tell story? this, yes. Okay. So he goes, I think, to the park, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't it the local park? Yes. And he sees a six-year-old boy playing by himself. And he goes over and starts playing with the little boy and asks him his name and does all that. And then, after a few minutes, whips out a knife and stabs this boy in the side yes this little boy is bleeding laying on the ground and looks up again richard says why did you do that he said he said specifically why did you kill me or why did you kill me which You're is right. so fucked up this little, little boy kid. oh and Gary just said i always wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone and wiped gone. the knife off on the kid's shirt and walked <gasps> away which that is just the biggest fuck you like mm. Let me wipe off your blood on your shirt. So we know this happened because, how it happened, because a little boy survived. Thank God. And this is what's so fucking weird. The little boy survives. Somehow, I don't know how he gets home. He must go to the hospital. I'm sure whatever happens to him. Somehow, Gary Ridgway is not, he doesn't get in trouble for this. He never gets caught for doing this. So I don't know what the parents of this little boy thought had happened to him yeah i'm sure he told them that he was stabbed but for whatever reason they never connect that back to gary ridgeway gary ridgeway confessed to doing this when he was after he was arrested and then they found the boy who was living down in california who was like oh yeah totally that, that happened. happened oh my god so but i suppose if gary ridgeway hadn't confessed it i'm not sure we would ever know that he had done that so that means there's probably other things potentially that he did that we just don't know about so another thing and this was this was news to me in chasing the devil dave reichert talks about how gary ridgeway in an interview and he said he didn't know if it was a dream or real life but he was swimming in a lake near seattle and wrapped his legs around a little kid and held him under the water until he drowned I, i mean i don't think that they have connected anything there were several children who had died in lakes in that year in that in the the summer of that year 
but they didn't know if it was real or not. So I think there's a really good possibility that, like, he just, he had been killing. And there's a few other instances like that that we will get to later. Yes. Sort of maybe murders, but we're not sure. Yeah. Because of his memory being so fuzzy. Right. Okay, so that's... That's his childhood. He went to Taiyi High School. Yes, which he did. Which is in SeaTac as well. And didn't graduate until he was fucking 20. 20. Because he could barely read. Right. And they, at one point, it talks about, um, his brother, Greg, talks about how uh, Mary Rita and Thomas wanted to send him to some school. I forget what it's called. That's right. But it's where they would send all of the... Not not so bright. Right. Kiddos. Kids. And, uh, and Gary was very upset about it. I mean, he yeah. was like... That was, I think Did that was Did he say, I don't want to go biggest... to school with, like, the retards? Yes. He had some statement like that. Yeah. Some really awesome statement That's exactly like that. what he said. And, um, I mean, I think he just, he was so aware of the fact that he was not, I mean, like, his problems with reading really affected him mm-hmm. and his, his view of himself. Yeah. And so that, I think that was kind of, that's, like, the worst thing that could have happened for him is to have to go to that school. And they ended up not putting him there but um, I think he threw quite a fit about it but it was bad enough where they thought that hey we should probably send him here Mm -hmm. so he graduates in when he was 20 right afterwards he ends up enlisting in the navy and getting sent to the Philippines which I'm not for whatever reason I didn't really make this connection this was 1969 right so this was for the Vietnam War it was yep I, like I, it's that's kind of glossed over because he wasn't really in Vietnam. Or was he in Vietnam at some point? I don't know. I don't know either. But I think they said he was. I think he was. And his younger brother also ended up going into the army during Vietnam. Huh. And his older brother was also in the army. That's interesting. But Gary was in the navy. They were all. They all went into the armed forces. That's interesting. So he goes to the Philippines and oh, discovers. And the, the wonders of prostitutes. Yeah. He already has discovered that he has, to me, what seems like an insanely high libido. Yeah. Like an insanely high libido. Like, like wants to have sex like five to six times a day. Yeah. That's, I, I've never heard of anything like that. So, okay. So another thing that happens at the same time is that he gets married Oh, yeah, that's wife. right. So he's, he's yeah. married before he joins, goes to the Philippines. Right, yeah. and the reason that I bring this up is that, so he married um, a girl named Claudia Barrows in 1969. They went to high school together, and this was his first relationship where he was regularly having, it was like regular sexual relationship. Yeah. So, okay, Claudia later on admitted that they would they ended up having sex two to three times a day, which is fucking so much sex. Ew. Every day. Ugh, Jesus. And Gary even says that he worried that he was, quote, wearing her out. <laughs> His sex drive is super high. It's crazy high. It, yeah. I, I've literally never heard of anything like this. And it makes me wonder if there was something wrong with his brain, like a physiological problem. Yeah. That was causing him to just sort of voraciously want sex. Yeah. Because that doesn't seem, seem normal. normal to me. Uh, so he discovers prostitutes in the Philippines and that, oh, hey, you can just pay them and you can just have as much sex as you want. Right. You don't have to, you know, kind of coerce people into having sex with you. And they teach him all kinds of new practices. He does not elaborate on what kinds of sexual practices they teach him, but he does say, like, more exotic things were were (laughs) happening, whatever that means. Oh, God, what could that even be? Who knows? (laughs) I mean... I mean, given that it was the 60s in SeaTac, Washington, he probably he probably <laughs> knew nothing. Like, he probably was having missionary sex, and that was all. Right. So probably different positions, oral oh, sex, God. who knows. Uh, but yeah, he's he's loving it, but he also gets, is it gonorrhea? Yeah. Or, or chlamydia, or, or both. both. I think he gets both. A couple times. Right. Like, because doesn't, just doesn't want to wear condoms. And that really makes him mad. He's angry that he got, right, that he got STDs. Despite the fact that it's his own goddamn fault, but. Right. Whatever. Whatever. We'll ignore that. We'll ignore that. It's It's always the woman's fault. It's always the woman's fault. (sighs) So another thing, and this fucked me up, okay. Because seriously, I just imagine doing this and it like makes me feel so horrified. Oh God, I don't even know if I can say it. Okay. (laughs) So Gary. (sighs) Tells a story 
about the prostitutes in the Philippines that they would, what they would do. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I, know, I know the story you're going to tell. Oh my God. Okay. So they would go to bars and like they would order, a, <laughs> they would order a beer and then they would get it brought to them by the prostitutes holding it in their vaginas. Those Aww. girls had done their, their kegels. kegels. I know. Um, cause, cause, could you hold a beer bottle in your vagina with just your muscles? Nope. I, nope. Mm-mm. No way. No way. But also I wouldn't do that. And ew. <laughs> but also just no. Because then that, someone has to drink that beer. That's, oh my God. That's their problem, not yours. Oh my God. <laughs> that's them drinking your vagina oh juices with their beer. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, so, but, but Gary liked this. Oh, I'm sure he, he loved the idea of super going into the vagina. Exactly. He was very intrigued by that. He was super intrigued. In the way like, that, like, a little boy would be, though. Yeah. No, and I think this was, like, this was the first manifestation of that, was that he saw that happening, and for whatever reason, that struck a chord in him, and that then became the basis of, like, he was obsessed with putting things in women's vaginas. Yes, and because a lot of women dated him. These businesses yeah. aside from the prostitutes right. he visited, a lot of women like actually consensually just dated him, mm-hmm. and he was always trying to stick shit in their vaginas. <laughs> not hope, not literal shit, but oh god, <laughs> food. And, I mean, I can't even remember all the right. stuff. But all, wine bottles, wine bottles, yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff he wanted mm-hmm. to stick in there. Yeah, but I, I don't know why. I mean, did he think it was? I, I'm not sure he would give a shit if it was pleasurable for the woman. No, I don't think he... I don't think... I think it was pleasurable he for him like for He seems like the kind reason. of guy that no woman has ever had an orgasm with. Yeah. Right? I'm sure that's probably true. Because he just... You know he wouldn't give a shit. Right. At all. At he all. only cares about his own needs. Mm-hmm. Gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ew. So Gary <laughs> was... <laughs> that's where he got obsessed with putting things in women's vaginas. Um, which we see also come up in the rocks later on. Yep. Although there may have been another reason for that. Yes, which we will get to in our next episode. So he, he insists, he insists that he did not harm any women in the Philippines. It's true. He he does say that. Didn't rape anyone, didn't hurt anyone. What do you think about that? (sighs) I, I don't know. I feel like in a lot of serial killers, there's sort of a buildup. Like you don't just go from zero to a hundred. No. Like, so I think he had just discovered the world of prostitution and I can imagine that he's telling the truth that he didn't hurt anybody because he was just sort of getting into that world and maybe his feelings about prostitutes had not been fully developed yet. Okay. And he also may have not figured out that violence was a turn on. Yeah. Like, I feel like that may have been a later development for him. Yeah. That makes sense. But I, I mean, who can tell? I mean, I mean there's suge- like some people suggest that maybe his first murder was actually in the Philippines, but there's no evidence to suggest that at all. But um, I think you could get away with it so, so easily, easily if you right? To. Although, I mean, those poor women. I would imagine a lot of these women weren't brothels, and if that was the case, it would not. It be would easy not be to get easy. away with it. Jesus. But I, I don't know. This is just I'm guessing. Oh my god. So, anyway, as far as we know, he didn't do anything in the yeah. Philippines beyond have sex Take with lots and lots of prostitutes and get And STDs. drink vagina and drink beer vagina bottles. Beer. Ew. Vagina beer. Vagina <laughs> beer. <laughs> oh my god. So, um, moves, okay. moves back. He does, yep. They're um, living in San Diego, is that true? Yeah. They, okay. Yeah, they had moved down to San Diego, or, yeah. And his wife had she had like gotten a boyfriend while he was gone or yep. something. Got a boyfriend. Yep. So they were actually married less than a year. I, I think read. it's less than two years. Really? I think because he was gone a year. Okay. Oh, okay. So I think maybe they were only like with, with each, each other, other for, for like a year. So they got a divorce after he found out. Cause but like, what the her, fuck? Her cheating on him was completely unacceptable. But right. he having he many many. And STDs was totally cool. Like, nope. What the fuck? What a no fucking show. Double standard there. Yeah. Uh, and he was very obsessed, or he would say that his wife had hooked up with a black guy and was very oh. upset by that. Right. And I you, forgot about that. And you fucking know that's about penis size. Oh, it you totally is. Fucking know that is in his it head. It totally is. In his head. That that's yeah. oh god. Yeah. Gross, what a puke. Yeah. So he moves back to Seattle. Yep. At this point, so he says, 
this is where he starts having fantasies about hurting women. So not necessarily about like killing, but about hurting women. So he, when he's asked why, he says, because they're vulnerable and something I can do to them that I can't do to ordinary women. When he's talking about like prostitutes. And then he says, um, when he was asked why he wanted to hurt prostitutes, he said, because women hurt me. So Claudia, his first wife, was really the start of like some major bitterness that made him hurt prostitutes. Do you think he was like the OG men's rights activist? Oh my god. He totally was. <laughs> like, oh, oh, women hurt my feelings. So I must hurt them. Ooh. And like women owe me sex at all times. Oh my fucking god. And if I don't get it, then I, I am oh being denied god. one of my rights as, oh my as a white man. Oh. It's so fucking oh gross. So he's back in Seattle. He's working at Kenworth. Mm-hmm. truck painting company yeah which is kind of his only job that's right. kind of what he does forever yep and he meets his second wife <gasps> soon to be second wife yep who marcia, marcia winslow who Anne rule spends a lot of time talking about this marriage yeah. in green river running red but you want to know why i think hmm. because there's such an issue with marcia's appearance and oh, Anne rule just fucking as you know my god loves to talk about people's appearance whether they're <laughs> fat or not she does, and she spends an inordinate <laughs> amount of time talking about the fact that Marsha was overweight. I mean, Ugh. it's all she fucking talks, all about. She talks about. And then, remember, Marsha has a high school friend who she hooks up with again, <laughs> another woman who's also overweight, and it talks about, like, oh, we're the fat women with our skinny husbands. Dude, dude, I mean, it's just like... Oh. I totally remember that. God. Oh, my God. So, Anne will just... I don't she know. She loves talking about people's weight. But I, I will say there may be a kernel of good reason why she talks about that. Yeah, there because is. Because I think Gary Ridgway felt secure with this woman because he didn't consider her as attractive, maybe. Right. I'm not sure, but I think no. it was like, she's not going to cheat on me. She's not going to leave me. Yep. He talks about this all the fucking okay, time. Okay, so I'm not and making that up. Nope, you're not at all. He talks about this all the time in his confession, which we'll get to later on, that he feels... He felt like he could never get regular women. So, like, regular good-looking women. And he's very open and vocal about how his mom had a very nice figure. She, was a, she had a very nice figure. The perfect woman that you would want. Good-looking, nice figure. And he always felt like the people that he married were... I mean, he always kind of married girls who were overweight because he felt like... He couldn't he do couldn't, any better, right? And then, the, and then the prostitutes though they didn't they were not overweight usually, and that was sort of like a treat maybe something. For him. Yeah. Oh god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very it's very a lot of ego like sad ego right. stuff, and then only judging women on their appearance. Right. Like I just well, and he wants to punish them because normal women who look good don't want him, and so these women. He's, like, punishing these women, these prostitutes who look good. Um, so any any men listening, regardless of what you look like, <laughs> women do not owe it to you to have sex with you. Yeah, no. Nobody owes you sex no. ever. Ever. If anyone decides to have sex with you, they're doing you a fucking favor. Yeah. They just like you, and they want to have sex with you. They don't fucking owe you sex. Right. So if women don't want to have sex with you, don't get all fucking butthurt about that. Right. They just, they don't have to. Plus. Nothing pisses me off more than that. Skinny women can also, like, not cheat on you. And fat women can cheat on you. And skinny doesn't feel attractive. <laughs> and just all of this is just, ugh. It's so gross. It's really stupid. It's so stupid. It's but so stupid. IQ of 82. So right. There you go. Right. So he marries this woman. Marsha. Yep. They have they, a kid. Yeah. And so they have a kid in 75. But, like, in the meantime, they also get really religious. They get uber religious. Freakishly like, religious. evangelical, crazy town religious. Like, door-to-door religious. Yeah. Like, door-to-door reading religious, your yeah. fucking Bible out loud at work religious. Yeah. Holy roller. And alienating your the people that you work with yeah. religious. Yep. And it was a church that was very um, misogynistic. Do you remember yes. that? That, like, yeah. women had to be completely subservient to their husbands. They had to do all the cleaning, all the cooking, yep. but couldn't make any decisions. Right. And, and Gary, Gary fucking loved yep. that shit. And he was always telling Marsha, like, you must follow what the preacher says. Yeah. 
This yeah. fucker. Yeah. So they Seriously. go. They go to the. I don't even know how, how long they go to this church. They eventually stop. I think they eventually kind of fall out of mm-hmm. that whole crazy evangelical thing. But they're there right. for a while. Right. They have a kid who seems sickly. That's kind of my impression from the books. Oh, really? Like lots of like he was premature, oh. like oh. really premature, and then had lots of allergies. Oh. So he was kind of poor kind guy. Of, I know. So kind of a sickly kid. Um, it doesn't sound like Gary Ridgway is particularly attached to this kid. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. My impression is he was very whatevs right. about this kid. And it sounds like Gary and Marsha had a pretty unhappy marriage. Yeah. It does not sound like it was good. Well, so one of the things that Marsha really had a problem with was Gary's relationship with his mom. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Gary's mom did not like Marsha. So uh, Marsha felt like Gary kind of like kowtowed to her too much and she also thought it was weird because um his mom would buy his clothes for him and as like a grown-ass man well and like didn't and didn't Marsha have to do all of like the bills and everything because Carrie like couldn't like read or mm. there was something I mean, no. like couldn't like handle like basic math I mean so like yeah yeah so like Gary was like a little boy who, right like he went to work but like didn't right. like could not function in the adult world really totally and his mom but his mom felt like marcia was not taking taking care, care of him, him properly right. and not taking care of the kid properly right and not cleaning the house well enough and right. all this bullshit so jesus so there was all that and then they had a very sort of i don't know if it was a bizarre sexual relationship but it sounds like it got progressively more, more uncomfortable weird. over yeah. time plus i always find it really interesting because like okay I don't know. I always am fascinated with stories of people who are super Christian because I but feel like freaks. Right. Right. And I, and I feel like it's so common where it's like these people who are like these total evangelicals, like preaching against all this bullshit, but then they're doing it like on the side. Oh yeah. Well, sex life was like. <laughs> so Carrie was <laughs> obsessed with having sex outside mm-hmm. often in places where it'd be very easy for them to get caught. Yeah. So like, they like they would go down to like South Center, and like what? go to like there was a furniture store, and maybe not at the mall, but like out, down on South Center Boulevard. Oh and my it was, god! Like, Levitt's furniture place, and they would go like basically back by the loading dock, behind like a really low fence, and like have sex back there. Uh uh-uh. And people could just like walk over and look over the fence, <gasps> or they would go have like sex in the you know banks of rivers. They, and, and they so he was really really super into having sex outside. They loved doing that. And including a bunch of places where bodies were later found. So Ooh. a lot of the dump sites, the later dump sites, were the, like his favorite places to go and have sex. Oh, Which yuck. puts it in a whole different context. Yeah, uh, not so, good. But it doesn't sound like Marsha was necessarily opposed to doing any of this stuff. Right. It was just like, whatever, that's just what they did. Right. Until, uh, so, so one of the things that Gary loved to do was he would go up behind her and like, scare her he was really into scaring her um which she talks about all the time like later on but at one point gary while they're having sex also chokes her Mm -hmm. and then they make this a regular part of their sexual encounters Mm -hmm. later on yeah i just read about that in in defending gary that's not the story that i remember that's interesting the story i remember is that they this was not sexual but they were coming back from somewhere they'd had kind of a lot to drink or she had Mm -hmm. she got out of the car gary came around behind her and started choking her just randomly just randomly what the fuck and she like pushed him off and he somehow like scooted around and pretended that someone else had like randomly come up behind her and choked her oh shit no i do remember was that from the ann rule book yeah but it's been a couple it wasn't just that book so like he had randomly just tried to choke her and it wasn't in a sexual way. Yeah. And then lied about it. And was like, oh, God, that guy just ran away. He didn't, he didn't oh see him, huh? God, what so the that's fuck? weird that it also became part of their sex life. Yeah, so that's what it talks about in... And me, and this is from Gary's mouth. So maybe, it, you know, who knows? Like, he would... He got really into this idea of, like, choking someone while he was having sex with them. And so it ended up becoming, like, a more regular thing in their... Ugh sexual okay. relationship. <laughs> I'm going to detour here for like a second. I had a friend in Indiana who I went to school with and she told me that she had dated this guy for a long time but she told me the first time she had sex with this guy who she ended up dating for a long time he choked her. What? Yeah. 
And she didn't break up with him. No. What the fuck? I am trying to imagine how fucked up that would be. Wait, wh- how did what? How did she stay with him? I don't know. That was I was like, what the fuck? I mean, I don't think it lasted very long, but it doesn't matter. The fact that it happened at, at all is like the biggest red flag I can imagine. That's like the thing that I get really scared about, though, is that I feel like that is. I mean, it. I've just heard, but like that. That's kind of like a common thing in like porn. Is that like yeah, men will kind of like grab women's throats, and boys are watching that. Porn, at least, I won't say all porn, but a lot of porn is so horrible and violent and misogynistic that it really scares me. Because when, yeah, when teenagers watch this, they don't, like they know, just they think don't it's know anything. And they don't know anything about sex. So I was like, yeah. yeah, that's just what you do. So maybe that's where this guy was coming oh from. Anyway, detour. Oh my gross. fucking God. So Gary also. And men, Gary would watch that porn. Gary would watch that porn and men don't fucking do that shit. Yeah, ew. Like, you need to. Oh my God. Or like, do it after you've had a really respectful conversation with yeah. your partner. If you've talked about it and right. for whatever reason the woman's on board, then okay. Okay. Cool. But sh- no. Yeah, and don't just assume that like a girl is going to be really into that because I think that's fucked up. Oh, I don't think almost anybody would be no, into that. I I'd think really like, 99% of people would not be into that. Right. But a lot of times because we're women and we're taught just to be like, oh, yeah, that was cool. Right. Ugh. They may act like they're okay with it, but you really need to think about their feelings. Anyway, they were doing all this Bible shit, doing all this freaky sex shit at the same time. But, like, their marriage was not super happy. And it got even more unhappy when Marsha, fatty Marsha, <laughs> got fucking gastric bypass surgery and lost a ton of weight and then was a hot dish, apparently, all of a sudden. According to Which, Amor. okay. <laughs> loves, loves, loves to talk What the this. fuck? Like, I hate society. Like, I really hate society. Like, oh, you get gastric bypass and suddenly you're just, like, Hot. so attractive. And she becomes a singer in a band. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes! <laughs> According to Anne Rule, again. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You lose some weight and then all of a sudden magic and you're a fucking singer in a band? Like, <laughs> Well, there you go. No. See, this is my problem, Carrie. This is why I'm not fucking famous. That's all you need to do. I just to need do. to get gastric bypass. Gastric bypass and boom. <laughs> Hollywood would be calling. <laughs> Fuck. It's, oh my god. It's that's Anne Rule. I was ridiculous. God damn it. So Anne she Rule. So Marsha does lose a bunch of weight. Yeah. Does start staying out late with right. various men. Suddenly men think she's attractive and then Gary is like very insecure and jealous. And I don't actually I don't know what brought it to this point, but they get a divorce. Yep. They do they do decide in nineteen eighty one to get a divorce. Yes. Gary doesn't take that too well. No. Oh, wait. wait a minute. That's a fucking the understatement <laughs> that, that's of the century. The understatement of this entire yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because um, the murders start in 82. Yeah. Needless to say. And he is directly attributed the murders to his anger at Marsha. Yep. Which, of course, is bullshit. Yes. Of course, it is not this woman's fault at all. Right. What he did. And it's ridiculous that he would even say that. But his rage was intense i guess yeah so during his um during his confession this is what he said he said pleasure in kill okay and the way that i'm reading this there's some ellipses I, so i took parts of the quotes out they don't avoid like the content but this is how this dude speaks yeah. so okay pleasure in killing is to take away a uh, uh, another woman that so she won't hurt anybody else like my ex-wives did and everything <laughs> So IQ of eighty two. Yeah. You can hear it right there. Yeah. So um we yeah, so we like edited not not in this episode, but in general, some like a clip clips, of him speaking. Absolutely. Because you have to hear it because you won't believe it. It's you know what it's kind of like listening to me uh, when I'm editing podcasts. <laughs> It's just so many us and uh, what? Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. 
it's really amazing. Um, but he cannot form a, set, a coherent a fucking sense sentence at all. at all. No, his writing is better than his speaking. Yeah, and his writing is oh my <gasps> god. We should talk about the handwriting analysis of. Oh my god, we're totally gonna talk, <laughs> totally about, gonna that. talk about that. Oh, that was my favorite handwriting part. Analysis. That was my favorite part of the whole book. I didn't even read that part of the book because it's fucking handwriting analysis. Oh, you have okay, to read it. It's so it. funny. So we're, we're sorry. Right now we're talking about. Um, Fuck. It's just called The Green River Killer. Diary of an, an Unsuspecting Wife, wife yeah. or something by Penny Moorhead. It's yeah. on the website. There's a whole bi- fucking bibliography on the website. Which we need to write reviews for, P.S. Oh, we do. Shit. I know. Don't, yeah, there's no reviews yet. I know. But this book is, it's like one of those like self-published books you can buy on Amazon. Which, okay, the, when I read it, I found it at Half Price Books. Like, after I started, after I started reading it, I texted Carrie and was like, Carrie, is this self-published? Like, it's so fucking obvious. Yeah, it's, yet, it's bad. Yet, totally worth the read. Oh my god, so worth 100% the read. 100% worth the read. So my parents, who totally make fun of me for all of this serial killer shit that I'm into, they were they were taking care of my kid last year, so they were over at my house a lot. Both of my parents read this book. <laughs> it was so funny. And they, they were like, this is bullshit. But then they're reading away. Like, so into like, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Absolutely worth reading. <laughs> Marriage ends in 81. Murders begin in 82. 82. As far as we know. Oh, wait. Can I tell you one more thing? Yeah. You got... he. What he said was... And this is also so Gary Ridgway. He said that the prostitutes became his escape goat. <laughs> and he okay. did. Okay. Okay. So, you know how I've been making titles for all the episodes? This one is going to be called The Escape, the escape Goat. goat. <laughs> Yeah, the escape goat. <laughs> I think we need to end it there on the, on the escape goat. So we're going to come at you next time with Gary Ridgway part two, where we focus on, oh shit, all the shit that oh fucking shit. happens afterwards because you guys are not going to fucking believe this. We're going to get, we are going to spill all the hot tea. We're going to get into all the juicy details that are kind of sickening. Super sickening. So bring a barf bag. (laughs) And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.